Hi, my name is Gatim Kabara. Welcome to Nexus, a podcast for the Caribbean, a business podcast for the Caribbean. The subject of our interview today is going to be the Curacao economy. Today we have four very special guests. They are board members of the Curacao Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And we're going to be analyzing a document that they have recently published called Ban Sembra Awe Pakosichamayang, which in English means let us plant seeds today so that we can harvest tomorrow. As we know, Curacao is going through some difficult challenges uh, from the economic side uh, at the current moment. So it is not of a surprise that the Chamber of Commerce wants to add value to the conversation and bring to the table their perspective as they represent all of their members of the Chamber of Commerce. So help me welcome uh, my guests today to Nexus. We have right here to my right, we have Mr. William Yonker, better known here on the island as Billy. Everyone knows Billy. Next to Billy, we have also a very special young man. So he's a true example of young entrepreneurs on the island who are in tech, who are in software, and who are now exporting and taking their businesses into new into new markets, which is a great example of you know it can be done. It can be done. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Renato Ignacio. Next to Renato, we have Mr. Brian Iruskin. He's a country and tax managing partner of EY for the Dutch Caribbean. He's a tax expert. Uh, not only that, he's been very much involved with writing proposals for tax laws on the island. And one of the, the key people involved with pushing for the development of this document, which basically encapsulates the vision of the Chamber of Commerce. Brian, welcome to Nexus. Thank you, Katim. Yeah, the managing director of Indel NV, which is a technology-based company that offers complete solutions in electronic security and communications. He's also the vice president of the Chamber of Commerce. Marcus Kova, thank you very much for being here. It's a real pleasure to have you here at the table. Thank you for having me, Katim. So I've already explained it to the table, but for those of you watching us, part one, we're going to be talking, we're going to do an analysis, we're going to take a picture of the economic situation on the island, where we are today, what is currently happening. I'm going to be picking their minds and having their uh, our, 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 my guess's perception on what's happening. Second part, we're going to understand how we got here. You know, We want to talk about that. Third part, what's the vision that the Chamber of Commerce has for, for the future? And the fourth part, the how. And I think the how, if you're listening to this, the how is what a lot of people want to know. How do we get started? Where do we go? What's the first next step to take? So what's the purpose of this document? Why, why, why is the Chamber coming and supporting this document right now? Well, basically, it's a call to action. Uh, we've seen many, many, many reports over the years in Curacao, ranging from the IMF, the IDB, or whatever institution, the three wise men and the Netherlands, the central bank, you call it, you name it. And there are reports that have been lost in a drawer someplace. And we keep asking ourselves, why do all these reports disappear and nothing happens? Or we get the questions, why do certain organizations keep repeating the same problems or the same solutions? Why don't they change? The reality is that a lot of these issues 
still exist because they have not been dealt with. Mm. But we as a chamber keep asking ourselves why this it is how it is and how we can change this. We also try to reinvent ourselves to change the the approach and I hope to change the, the results. Yeah. But once once we decided we don't want to prepare a report of 50 of our, our 100 pages like the, you usually get, we thought, how can we uh, try make a, a report that is readable, understandable for the general public and is a real call to action okay. with concrete steps of what we think can work as a snowball uh, to get the economy rolling. Once you, you decide that that's what you want to do, something comes to mind and that is, what is the economy? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people talk about the economy, we have ministries of econ economic development, we have in the streets, everyone talks about the economy because the economy is supposedly the solution for all the problems. Mm -hmm. But how does the man on the street push the economy if he doesn't really understand what the economy is? So that's why we chose this document to first explain a little bit the social welfare that a lot of people want, how they can get it. And it's the economy that will uh, create the welfare and what the economy is. The economy is productivity. How do we create the productivity? Those types of, sim it's, it sounds simple, but a lot of people have the idea that if they start a retail store, that it will be good for the economy. Mm -hmm. And that is not necessarily the case. From, from your view as an entrepreneur and as a businessman yourself and involved with the chamber, I mean, you're on the street, you're talking with clients, you're, you're feeling it out there. How, what's happening in the economy from your point of view and from what you're able to see was, you know, from your colleagues in the, in the chamber? We're falling behind. Yeah. Um, we're falling behind compared with similar economies. We're falling behind um, with any economy you compare us with. And it's very unfortunate because we see that we should have the tools and we should be able to grow and we should be able to do certain things. But it is uh, obvious that we are not taking the right steps. And our impression is that um, we keep using band-aids. We keep trying to come up with uh, short-term solutions. We try to make people happy with small simple decisions that are not solving the bigger problem. Uh, so what we're trying to do in this document is look at the fundamentals. What is it that really is wrong? What is it that we need as a base to be able to build this economy we believe we need to have here to create this welfare that's necessary? Right, and, and you mentioned you mentioned four things that are like at the beginning of the docking, which is, you know, people, productivity, economy, and quality of life. Are, is it fair to say that those are the foundations of what the document is built? Yeah, on? and I like to talk about them uh, from, from the back coming, coming, coming to the front uh, in the sense that what we all want is social well-being. We want to be in a good place. We right. want to have uh, all those things we dream of having. Uh, the problem is... Um, that it seems like people expect that those are being given away, yeah. especially from uh, our way of governing is trying to give away small gifts so people will stay happy, which does not solve the long-term problem. If we want to have social well-being, we need something to fund that. 
The only way to fund that is to have a strong economy. To have a strong economy, we need to be able to produce. We need productivity. What's the picture right now? Paint that picture for me right now. How oh, Curacao does not have any any materials so we can, you know, build bikes or whatever. We have people and service. And that's the that's the base of it. That's the base also of the document. It's a service economy. We have a much better chance. Curacao in the past has been a service economy, the, the, the financial sector. Right. What has happened is that those sectors have become, we, we didn't go with the, with the time, what's happening in the world. We stayed with the financial sector that's dying out. We stayed in the refinery that's dying out. But we didn't go into tech or we didn't go into uh, education, uh, worldwide uh, international education, those type of things. Here's how it says, and that's one. That's a problem we have on this island. People don't like change. Mm. People don't like, hey, it's going good. Let's just keep it like yes. that. But as time goes on, this thing, this thing is, is becoming old, and the, and the world is running away, and we're standing here, and we need to catch up. Yeah. So uh, the problem is we do not. The, the, we need to. The, our main uh, source is our people. Yeah, please, Vanatham, jump in. Uh, yes. So the main thing is that there has been a disconnect. Uh, what we're producing locally, and that's what uh, Brian was referring to, uh, is not aligned with what the rest of the world is asking for. And so if you want to produce uh, or be more productive, we need to align more towards like the needs of the world, if, if, you, may, if you may say it like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you see uh, right now at this moment, uh, technology is leading. Uh, the biggest companies worldwide are tech companies. Uh, oil has had this time. Uh, financial sector has had this time too. But the thing is, here in Curacao, we we have had it. We, we had it good for a long time, so we became pretty comfortable in what we were doing, uh, while the rest of the world shifted. So that's the current the current picture right now. So we are doing the same things that we that we've been doing for like fifty. 70 years, 40 years, uh, but we, we're not getting the same results. Okay, let's talk, let's analyze that for a second, because we, we say we got comfortable, we did, but we had opportunities. We had different opportunities during our history to be able to uh, make that decision to go in a direction that today we would be more prepared. So I, I want to I wanna tap on your shoulder now because you... You, you know more of the economic history, maybe. You know, where, Billy, from your part, one point in history that you can think of that you say, as a country, we made a decision to go in a certain way or we missed the boat. What, what would you say that moment is? What happened there for us to understand how we got here? When I first started in 1992 on tourism in Curacao, if it was up to the government, we wouldn't have tourism today because everybody says we have no chance. We can't survive out there in, in the world of tourism. So what happened is the private sector took the, the batuta, like they say, they took uh, they took the step. Yeah. And today we have a booming tourism sector. What happens a lot of times is that um, governments that sit don't want to take the tough decisions. You have to take a decision. And till today, tourism is not there yet. What has to be spent for tourism to produce is not being spent. And they're not making the decision. So spent or say, invested, you know, the investing, yeah. the investing into it. If you give an example, uh, an island that uh, right next to us is very successful. It's been successful for years. Is is it is putting 
four or five times in their budget of marketing the island than we are. Yeah. So I'm just giving an example of where the government, if it was up to the government in 1992, tourism wouldn't be because we, we talked about everything else but, but tourism because we thought we couldn't get there. But we did it. And it's successful because we decided as a country, we have to go in that direction. I think it's the same thing in everything that we do. If we don't take that step and say we're going to go for it, which we never do, we always take the the, 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 the the way that maybe, you know, I don't want to take that chance or I don't want to take the political gamble, it won't happen. And that's where we are right to today. We we And, and many times, you talked about Na, uh, Blue Nap. Yeah. The reason Blue Nap isn't really that successful is because we didn't take the decision that the government should, or we should find a way for, for them, uh, for the transferring of information to be less expensive. The private sector needs to drive the economy. The government can facilitate the economy. It, it sounds easy, simple, but a lot of times it gets confusing and the results therefore are also confusing. Mm. <laughs> what happens is Royal Dutch Shell came here in 1918, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's not really a government decision whether they came or not, but it had a mega impact on the social welfare, economic welfare of this country. Mm-hmm. Still to the day, to this day, most of the big infrastructure, infrastructural uh, projects were done during that time. Were done during that time. Yeah. The bridges and the, the mega piers, everything. Uh, so we have a lot to thank for that. Now we have the environmental issues, etc. But as a country, we progressed a lot, and uh, and the country enjoyed that welfare. If your son or daughter came to you now and looked to you and said, uh, "What would you tell them to study?" I mean, what would you tell them? Hey, listen, for the future economy of Curacao, what would be your advice to them? And say, hey, listen, go study so and so. What 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 would that be? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I have to I have to confess that that um, I think that is a very difficult thing to to uh, anticipate. Other than to say that I think that we need to be much more resilient. Um, it, it, to me. It is a lot. Of course, education is very important. But um, I think on the island, what we, we need more than anything else is formation. We need to, to create human beings that are productive, that are willing to be productive. Mm. We've been spoiled for a long time. We've been uh, taught a path that if you follow, you will get a steady job. Uh, and we need to be more flexible in the way that we teach, the way that we learn, and the way that we develop. Where should we be five years from now? And then where should we be 10 years from now? And where should we be 25 years from now? Let's start with five, because right now the house is burning up. We need some firemen to come in. Yeah. And um, we we need to know, you know, what kind of, how are we going to rebuild you know, let, let's talk about it from that side. We all can agree that, uh, yeah, you know, something's burning. And once we take that fire off, it needs to start rebuilding. Because whatever we do right now to turn off the fire, it's a patch. But still, the house is burnt. So now we need to rebuild. So 
gentlemen, who, who would like to start for? Who would like to go for? Education should be number one. Okay. But education, people say, yeah, you're educating, but uh, these kids will be ready in five or 10 or 15 years. No, we need to educate not only the kids, but also the workforce. Okay. To the new economy. So we should prepare people to look at other jobs, maybe, because that job that they're doing is going to be uh, not going to be there in five or 10 years. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, in my opinion, is that, like Brian said earlier, government should facilitate. What do I mean by that? Rules and regulations should be, it should be easy for you to do business, mm. not difficult. It shouldn't be, impo- you know, if somebody wants to come here with their family, want to live, and they they can bring to the economy and their, their know-how that we don't have, why not let them come in? So make the rules easier. So those, in, in the next five years, we should start, at, we should be already, how are we going to change the educational system? to get ready for the world and how we're making it easier for you to do business. Those two things should be going full full steam ahead and, and also immigration. agree immigration, yeah, immigration and agree this is the direction we're going to go. These are the five pillars we're going to go for. So we're going to base all everything that we do on those five pillars, which is technology, uh, uh, international education, Financial sector, even though at a little at a less uh, thing, um, logistics. Uh, logistics. If we want to think as a global citizen, if we want to be able to compete on the international market and be able to bring that kind of prosperity to the island, should there be more English in the schools? Fifty percent of the world speaks English. Fifty percent. Yeah. So if you want, to, and and English is international language of business, right? So I think it's important, very important to have English. Now, how are you going to do it in the educational system? Sure, we have to look at it. But even Holland and their secondary schools, English is becoming important. Yes. It's they teach in English. Uh, so yeah. they're seeing that. So, I mean, why are, we, why are we staying behind? I'm not saying that, like you say, I also love Papimento. I spoke about Papimento my, in my house since I was born. Yeah. But still, I can speak the other languages because I was exposed to it. And you, I don't know my time when I went to school, maybe uh, Marcos also. We had, we, you know that in the fifth grade, you're going to get English and the sixth grade, you're going to get Spanish. Right. Today, there are schools that don't even teach English. Yeah. So we have a very serious problem that we have to catch there. Mm-hmm. My opinion is the younger you catch a child, walk on the streets of Curacao today. Yeah. Ask a kid something in English. He'll answer you He'll in English. He'll answer you. But that's the iPad exposed. Yeah, yeah, it's the exposure. <laughs> it's the exposure. So we should find a way. Yeah. We should find a way. We should yeah. find a way to have the kid do two to three languages when they're at their young age. So that's why yeah. you need to be able to absorb the information necessary to make that transition. Yeah. That manual and, will not be in the document. And yeah. that no. manual could be uh, on an iPad. It could be YouTube. It could be, but most of it is going to be a foreign language. Most probably English. So what we say is, if we want to have that opportunity and give our people the best chance of being productive, being resilient, and being flexible towards the future, they need to dominate English so they are open to all the knowledge that is available to them. However, now the country needs men and women to stand up, to take charge, and to get ready to do the things that need to be done for the next generation to have better opportunities. And it's our turn to bat. It's our turn to bat. The ball is coming towards us at 90 miles per hour. And it's now up to us 
whether we hit that out of the field, we make a home run, we or we strike out. So, for those of you who are listening to us, I'm Gatim Cavara. Thank you for listening in. This has been Nexus. It's a business podcast of the Caribbean. The Curacao economy has been the hot topic on the table today. We've had some amazing input from board members of the Chamber of Commerce, all of them businessmen on the island. All of them have shared their poured, they have poured their hearts out with the concern that they're seeing in our economy. And they have taken that step forward to come and share what they believe are steps that need to be taken for us to improve the situation in Curacao. Thank you all for listening in. I want to thank all of my guests. Thank the Chamber of Commerce again for allowing us to thank record you. this this interview. Uh, for all of you at home, thank you. Good night and God bless. <laughs>